Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the academy is a good fit for you. All right, welcome, 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 welcome to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. And I have a special guest for you. This is a special guest for my global students, aka international student audience, because I know right now it is a lot of uncertainty, especially for all of you dealing with, you know, trying to get a job. If there's a lot of, you know, our president changing the rules every minute. And so there's a lot of uncertainty. So I did want to bring a a, a connection of mine that we connected on LinkedIn. We are always engaging in each other's content. And I did want to bring in because Michael is, is the individual that I know that knows the most about this. He, so let me tell you a little bit about, about Michael. Michael Rincon is our guest for today. Michael is the founder of Michael Business English, a language training company that teaches business English to professionals all over the world. He's also the host of the International Career Show, a podcast dedicated to supporting international students and job seekers achieve their career aspirations all over the world. So if you're listening to this podcast, go right now and subscribe to the International Career Show. Um, he's also, as a former six-figure data analyst with almost a decade of experience in various companies, including Fortune 500, Michael understands the communication and career challenges that international professionals face. And his mission is to support global citizens achieve their communication and career dreams. And so he is an ESL instructor, a career coach, and the host of the International Career Shows. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, man? Good, Daniel. Thank you so much for introducing me like that. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to talk about this very, very important topic because it, it is a very stressful topic. If you are an international, international student right now and you just graduated, it is scary, right? Because like I, I would say half of the students in my mastering of my mentoring program are international students. And the concern is, at least what I've noticed too, you know, when speaking to them is these individuals are qualified. I mean, Michael, they are qualified, right? They are have experience they have great gpas they technically 
are, are you know, like very, very knowledgeable. But it is very hard to go after jobs when there isn't jobs right now, especially jobs and companies that are willing to sponsor them in the long term. And so what are you seeing out there? Yeah, so similar kind of things. So um, one of the things I've done in my show is I talk to a lot of international students who are successful. They've gotten jobs. So I've spoken to students like Basan Shinoda, Alashani Edigini, and they've talked about what their process was for landing uh, internships and job offers, uh, even in this situation right now. And I've also spoken to a lot of coaches. So Daniel, you were on my show. Uh, Austin Belsack was on my show. Jonathan Javier was on my show. And you know, everyone's seeing the same thing. It's hard. It is hard, unfortunately, because the reality is that because of the Trump administration, how they've set up the the visa process, it's just it's harder for international students now. That's just the truth. And so, Michael, like, yeah, it is hard. Like, I, I am with you. What do you think it is the best way for college students to approach this? Because here's what I find out. Like, I mean, here's here's the reality. As coming from a a, a corporate standpoint, anytime and and not so. Anytime an international student or anybody that applies online, it goes through an applicant tracking system. And whether you know this or not, anytime that you ask the question, well, you're now or in the future need sponsorship, your application essentially goes to the back of the pile. And right. as a company, they're going to look at the applicants that don't need sponsorship first because it's just a much easier process. And so what I found is that international students um, especially the ones that are in a STEM field are technically very smart and they're just, their struggle or their challenge is in the networking and the, in the relationship building aspect of job searching. And they rely heavily on what they feel comfortable doing, which is applying online. And, and, I, and I've spoken to hundreds of international students in the last three months. And I, every time I ask them, how many, how many times, how many places have you applied in the last three months? They always come up with hundreds. Like, it's not even like when I talk to students who are not internationals, they say, oh, you know, 50, 80, 25. And I ask an international student, how many places have you applied? I get um, a lost count, but about uh, uh, 200, 300. And that to me is heartbreaking because that's the first thing is I tell them if all you're doing is applying online and, and me and you both know it goes through an applicant tracking system. And you can put keywords and you can have the GPA, you can go to the best universities. Once you answer, will you now or in the future need sponsorship? Everything else seems like it doesn't matter. Hey, that's so true. And you know, the unfortunate reality is even if you don't apply through applicant tracking systems, um, if you work with recruiters and even if you actually have interviews, there's a woman on LinkedIn. She had a post recently. Her name is Shal Mali Shahin. I think I got that right. Um, she made a post about how she had a great interview at a startup and she didn't get the job offer. And here's the thing that stood out to me was that during the interview, she's a marketer, she was a marketing major, she's trying to do marketing stuff. So she did a project showing email and they loved it. But the moment she mentioned she needed a visa, the VP kind of got like weird, like, oh, uh, uh, you know, like, boom, you're done. And so the reality is like, especially with ATS, like if you fly online, it's an automatic, this automatic disqualification. Um, whether a company will admit it publicly or not, that's just the truth. Yeah, and, and here's here's the, the thing, right? An, an applicant tracking system is, is there for a reason. I completely understand the reason behind it is, is to allow companies to be able to manage the large number of applicants that, that this, they, they do it. It allows them to rank those applicants in, in a in a in a unbiased algorithm way so that 
the recruiters, hiring managers, and HR managers are not overwhelmed with applications. I get that, Michael. Like, I, I really do get that. But what I, what for me as a, as an international student, you need to understand that you need to know that you need to bypass the applicant tracking system. And this is where relationships are built. Not to say that you don't have to apply online. You probably eventually will still need to submit your application online. But the key and what I've noticed is where the individuals that are successful versus the ones that are not is being able to identify the decision makers and allowing them to tell their HR manager and says, Hey, can you pull up this application's application? Uh, can you pull up this application? Because this individual is somebody that I want to uh, interview or I want to learn more about. I want to, I want them to go through the process. What is your advice on that? Like, how do you, how do they find the decision makers or how do you beat the applicant tracking system for your, for your students? All right. So like you said, exactly like the, the best way by far is internal advocates and referrals. And more specifically, if you can get in touch with the hiring manager or even better, the hiring manager's boss, it's just going to do so much more for you. And it's not just like something I found. It's something that a lot of other coaches have found as well overall in their process, whether you're an international student or not. But for international students in particular, there's a book I highly recommend called Power Ties. It's from the author Dan Budry. And what he found, just like you said, like the easiest way by far is you talk to the hiring manager, you present your value to them, you have a conversation. And what they will do is that they will go have the conversation with HR, with their bosses, and they will fight for you. They will say, I know our company policy is, you know, we cannot sponsor Vistas, but I really need this person because this is the only one who could do it. And I'll go one step further. My experience in my career the past 10 years is that whenever we had international job seekers, it was because they had jobs that um, we couldn't fill on our own. So I worked for a small startup in Charlotte and we had a really, really hard time finding candidates who had skills that we needed, like for in analytics, for example, with spreadsheets and SQL. So we had to take international job seekers. That was the only shot we had at getting the skills we need for the job. But the only way to get past the system, the only way to get the attention is to talk to employees, talk to hiring managers and talk to VPs and above who can actually listen to your story and say, you know what, like, it's worth getting this guy in, even though it might be harder, even though we have to go through this process. Um, it's easier for us overall. This is the truth. I've always so it's interesting because you t the example you talked about is reaching out to individuals, even if their company in the past has not um, sponsored before. And I Again, I am, I've, I've always thought, you know, like, hey, go to, um, there's websites to tell you if a company sponsors or not. It's very going to be very, very hard for a company to sponsor a recent college grad if they've never sponsored before. Because to, I say, pop the cherry of the employer when it comes to the visa, it's going to be someone that they can't find somewhere else. And so the more experience that you have, the more unique experience that you have, the more likelihood that they're going to actually go through the paperwork, really go through those obstacles that, especially in the beginning for a company, can be very overwhelming. It might not even be that overwhelming at the end, but it can seem very overwhelming to do that. Do you think recent college grads can help a company navigate that or, or should they, or, or is that impossible? No, in my opinion, so I have two opinions. Um, the short answer is like, and let me just tell you about, if I was an international job seeker right now, um, what I would probably do is just find the companies that automatically sponsor visas easily. There are sites like usavisas.com is one of, there's plenty of sites for sure that tell you which company sponsors. Um, or what I would do is I would go find international job seekers and network that way instead of like trying to 
do the other option, which I'm about to uh, talk about, which is um, can you get an employer to override their company policy and sponsor you if they don't normally do it? And you can. Um, in fact, I just interviewed someone named Min Yu and his episode comes out next week. He talks about how he self-sponsored his own visa um, through uh, quite a few things. There was a lot of processes involved, lots of immigration attorneys involved, but he was able to do that as well as, uh, again, going back to Shali Shamir, make sure I get the same right, Shal Mali Shahan uh, made a post about how she went to an employer and she just explained, this is how, this is her situation. Um, I am on an F1 OPT visa and I can work with you for free as an intern and here's how I can help you and here's how you like sponsor my visa. She educated them. And if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to do that work, you can, in some cases, get an employer to advocate for you and override their policy and go to sponsorship for you. So that's definitely a possibility as well. So what do you think it takes to be successful as an international job seeker right now? The short answer, I think the, the number one thing that I see with international job seekers that separates the ones who are super successful and the ones who are not successful is uh, very good clarity on what they're going after. And let me tell you a quick story. When I started doing this coaching stuff, I had two students who were in a country in Southeast Asia and they were very similar, uh, both college graduates, similar amount of experience. One of them I wrote their resume for and the other one I just gave feedback. And you would think if you write someone's resume for them, they're gonna have a better shot. But you know what, my other client, the one who just, I gave feedback, he got interviews right away. And the difference between them was that he had very clear um, goals. He knew exactly what he was going after. He was a DevOps engineer. He knew what companies he wanted. He had everything like set up from the ground up. Whereas my other client, he was like, just give me a job. I'll do anything. So I did the best I could. I updated his resume, but um, he had a harder time getting interviews because he wasn't clear on how he's going to help his employer. So I think what international job seekers can do to stand out is like how is be very clear on like how I can help you as an employer solve your problems. Because the, the clearer you can be, um, the easier it'll be for them to be like, oh, I get it. And then they, it's just easier overall. Yeah. And for the, for the audience that are listening to this, this is what I call the shotgun versus sniper approach of job searching, which is, is, is so important. And I know every time I talk to one of you and I tell you like, your mistake was that you applied to 200 companies because how can you possibly research the company, understand the company, understand the job, understand your hiring manager, understand the problem that they are trying to solve by hiring and how can you propose a solution if you don't take the time to do that and you're just submitting the same resume. And, and I bet it's a great resume. And, and when I see them, they're great resumes but they're not customized to the problem that you will be solving if you get hired. And so why this is why I'm challenging you to focus and narrow your approach to 10 companies. And, and maybe as an international student, I'll go and say maybe put 15 to 20 companies because I know you will put the time to execute this, but it's important for you to really one understand what those companies are hiring for, understand the role, the organization, and the, and the manager, who's the hiring manager and, and make something very clear. The recruiter is not the hiring manager. In most cases, the recruiters are a supporting role that are helping the hiring manager, the senior engineer, the, 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 the partner in the accounting company, the senior business analyst that manages the team. They're the decision maker. They're the hiring managers. The recruiter's job is to find the most qualified candidates. And, but ultimately the decision maker is not the recruiter. 
Right. I just want to jump in real quick too. So going back to uh, Daniel, your process about why it's so important to be focused. Uh, so some of you guys, I hope you've read the book. I know I read it. And I, what I loved was he talked about the difference between a college student who gets $15 an hour versus $30 an hour when they graduate. And to tell you uh, my story, a little background, I graduated without any like idea of what I was going to do. And it took me nine months to get my first job out of college and it was $15 an hour. And it was really, really hard to like eventually i did hit six figures i became an analytic assistant at the banks but it was a it was a huge course correction it was a multi-year journey and not only was it like a multi-year journey because of the fact that employers are looking at my my salary history and thinking hmm, he's only getting 15 dollars an hour he'll be very happy if i give him 17 an hour mentally something happens like for me i was like like I'm just so grateful that I got $15 an hour because at the time I was making $6 an hour at Starbucks. And then I got 17, I was like, that's a 20% increase. And then I got 19, that's another 20% increase. I'm, I'm doing a really good job, but it's only 40K. And so like, it, it does something, that's why it's so, so important. Like when Daniel says do the 1051, like I, I, you know, it's such a, it helps so much because, and again, the other thing I wanna add before I stop is like the hiring manager. Um, to tell you another quick story, um, in 2016, I had a job offer from a Fortune 500 for $20 an hour. And the thing that really bothered me was like, I crushed it in that interview. Like the recruiter told me I was the only one out of 14 candidates who passed the Microsoft Access Prove-It test. I was the only one out of 14 candidates who, who actually passed the Microsoft Excel test too, which is, is crazy. Yet the employer, like despite all that, and despite having my own projects, so, you know, Austin Belsack, Jonathan Javier have talked about the importance of projects. I came up with my portfolio showing, here's how I can help you, Mr. VP, improve your reconciliation process. Because I know you're trying to improve reconciliation. So what I've done is I've done, I, I talked about it. Uh, even after all that, I only got an offer for $20 an hour. And, you know, it was like, wait a minute, like I, I did all this work, why is it so low? And so I had to turn that down. Six months later, nothing changed. I didn't add anything to my resume, didn't do anything different. Got another call from another recruiter, did the same thing, went to the interview, um, did the test, passed it, um, talked about how I could help the boss. He gave me $47 an hour. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Over double, right? And, and that's insane. That is insane. That, that, and and I, I do, I think it's so important that you narrow in your, in your research because it is really important your first job out of college does set the foundation and makes it either really hard or really easy for you to continue to make more. Hey, Daniel here. Hope you're enjoying this first half of the episode. But before we move on to the second half, I wanted to share the story of Luis Guzman, a student that has gone through the academy and found so much success. Enjoy. I am here in the new office for my internship that I got thanks to the Mastering College to Career Academy. I'm with one of the um, top accounting firms in the world and I wouldn't have done it without Mastering College to Career Academy and Daniel's Patera help. Honestly, it started noticing the difference once I enrolled because previously I would apply to pretty much everywhere and I would spend two or three hours to just get the email two weeks later, hey, I'm sorry. We decided to move forward with a different candidate. But once I enrolled and I started applying the knowledge um, that is in the modules, I started getting um, interviews and eventually offers. And I'm graduating with four internships and I got a full-time offer in San Francisco with the top accounting firm in the world a year before graduation. So I don't want you to slip on it. This is a no-brainer. It's literally step-by-step -step on um, how to become an ideal candidate. 
I hope you all the best of luck and don't, don't think too much about it. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now let's get back to the rest of the show. What are like? What do you think are some realistic expectations to finding a job as an international job seeker during these times? So the truth is, um, how do I say this as best I can? So there, there's two two things that I see with international job seekers that they struggle with. The first one is that they have this idea like if I just had this one thing solved, I would be successful. And it, usually it's a resume. Like so, usually like I had someone on my email list who he has a PhD and like he sent me an email, like I have a course and at the end of the campaign, I say, let me know why you do want to buy the course. And he came back and said, I'm looking for a precision resume writer to help me get a job in America. And I've hired two other resume writers and it didn't work for me. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, well, if you try two other resume writers, what makes you think a third resume writer is going to help you? Well, plus we have the travel ban in the middle of pandemic. So there's all this other stuff that probably affected his ability to get a job in the States anyway. Um, so that's what I found is like the, the, the give you expectations for international job seekers um, to answer that question. Uh, what I found is like, you have to look at your situation. You have to look at your credentials and what's realistic for you. So I see a lot of job seekers who are trying to get jobs in like these super high end companies like Google and Amazon and let like, do you even have the credentials to get in? And to give you a, a quick case study, I had a few years ago, uh, uh, an international job seeker, seeker reached out to me. And at the time I was an uh, analyst at one of the banks and nothing happened from that. Um, she got a job at a, a local company called Advanced Auto Parts, not a big company. Two years later, I followed up with her on LinkedIn. She's working at Facebook now. And the story I'm trying to tell you there is that you don't have to go after these major like fang companies right away. You could absolutely go after a company where there's less competition, but that gives you a much higher chance of getting you an offer and much higher chance because they're gonna give you an offer because there's less competition with these smaller companies in smaller areas, you much have, but have a much better chance overall of getting that intern, getting that internship, getting that job offer. So yeah, you know, yeah. I know, no, I, I, I think it's important too. Like it, it is also too. Like those Facebook, you know, Amazon's, the Teslas, like those really popular and attractive companies get tens of thousands of applications. Yet if you are in a STEM field. There's so many companies that are, there's a shortage of that you just need to find those companies. And that's where like proper research are important. So let me ask you a question because when I was reaching out to my students, I said, Hey, what questions do you guys have for Michael? Um, a lot of the questions ended up really being the same and it really came down to running out of time. So I'm going to paint you a scenario. If I was a student, what advice would you give me? So I graduated, um, I graduated in August. So I did summer school. I graduated this like last week, August 10th. Um, and I have 90 days to get a job for my OPT deadline. Right. What, where do I start? What do I do? I have 90 days. I'm, I'm going to run out of time. If I can't get a job in 90 days, I have to go back to my country. Right. So this is, here's, I'm going to run a few options, um, which you may or may not like, but I hope they will help you either way. Just give you food for thought. Uh, the first thing I would suggest is like, what is the what is the fastest way I can get sponsorship? And that doesn't necessarily mean getting a job, right? Like you can go, is it possible for you to go back to school at all? Which that may not be the case with the OPT, you may not be able to go back and get a master's to extend that. So in that case, can you do an unpaid internship? So again, going back to, um, I don't have to say her name. I have a hard time. I apologize. Shamali Shahin, um, she got an unpaid internship with a, a company she worked for in the past. 
and said, here's how I can help you. And I don't need money. I just need you to sponsor my visa so that I can stay long-term. Um, so those are like, maybe not what you might want to hear. You probably want to hear like, how do I get a job as fast as I can? But you know, I'm, I'm trying to give you like options. Now the ideal scenario is that, you know, you, you follow Daniel Patero's 10-5-1 process and you're able to find uh, an employer within those 90 days that can give you an offer and sponsor you quickly. Um, but I, you know, if I was, if I had 90 days to get a job offer, like I would look for the easiest way possible and I actually have the scenario, uh, when I went to Taiwan because to get a teaching job in Taiwan, um, especially in Taipei, it's so competitive that they won't even, they won't even talk to you if you're not in Taiwan. So I had to go to Taiwan on a tourist visa and I had 90 days to get a job. And so what I did was I looked for what is the, po the fastest way for me to get a teaching job. And instead of trying to go for like the hyper competitive like university, I just went for like the, the local companies that don't advertise online, uh, met a few people on Facebook groups, got some referrals and got the offer that way. So what I, what I would encourage you to do is like get creative with how can you get sponsorship? How can you extend your stay in the States if getting a job offer may not be possible overall? That's one thing I would suggest. What would, what would be your advice on working with, especially if you're a STEM student, because you have three years, um, you know, because of your STEM extension, right. working with um, staffing agencies for the first, you know, doing contract jobs so that you can stop the clock on the 90 days OPT deadline. So I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I love staffing agencies only if you have the volume, make it work. Meaning that like part of the reason I was able to double my, my income go from 20 to 47 was because I took a contract job. Uh, so I would highly recommend considering contracts. However, the thing to keep in mind is a lot of staffing firms don't necessarily offer uh, sponsorships. You got to make sure that the staffing agencies you work with actually um, offer sponsorship too. So what I, well, here's what I found, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it a different way, right? I think generally speaking, I think international students, staffing agencies might be a good route. I used to not be a really big fan of it, uh, of, 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 of that, but now I've noticed that they're a really good route because they don't care about whether you're an international student or not because they're there to hire you for a six, seven, eight month, three month contract. So once, because an international student is getting employed by someone, it stops their 90 day uh, OPT deadline and allows them to now use that time while they're in a contract to work full time, to look for their full time job. And so that's why I've, I found that to be a really big uh, solution uh, which one of my students is currently doing. Like a couple of my students are actually going through that route. Another thing that I found that's, uh, you know, a really good way to do this too is that non-for-profit organizations don't, are also like have, um, are allow you, they, they can sponsor you a lot easier. Don't, they don't have to go through the lottery system. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And because there's a lot of hospitals that are huge hospitals, billion dollar businesses, right? Um, in Orlando, Florida, there is the Advent Health, right, where they need finance, they need tech people, they need all types of, you know, marketing, business analysts, and they don't care about whether you, they need to sponsor you or not because they're a non-for-profit. There's a loophole on that. On that. Same thing working for the university. But the, the thing about the universities is I found that it's extremely competitive because most international students have a master's or pursuing a PhD um, and so that's already a very, everybody knows that and it's extremely competitive to do that. But the non-for-profit businesses like the hospitals, healthcare systems, I think those are, that's a really good avenue. Another thing that I found, again, this is all coming from my international students, is 
working for nonprofit businesses, but as long as you're getting paid, again, that can help you extend that 90 day and give you more of a breathing room. 90 days is extremely tough um, for you to, to, to get a job as it is, especially during COVID. And so that's my advice to you would be to maybe focus those 90 days on getting a, a internship, a contract role or something like that that then will give you more breathing room to really execute the right strategy and really catapult to a really good career. Right, exactly. Those are all great options. And I think, again, like everyone has to do their own research, talk to an immigration learning attorney if possible. There's so many exceptions. So for example, like if you're a student from Chile or Singapore, there's a special H-1B visa that's set aside um, outs that's exclusive to their countries. There's um, E-3 visas for people from Australia. There is um, an L-1 visa. There's, there's so there's a TNV. There's a lot of different ways to get sponsorship. Um, that's it. Just depends from person to person. So it's really important for you to do um, some research to see what your options are. But definitely, I'm gonna just jump in again and say, from my experience, for sure, contracts are awesome. And the one other thing I forgot to mention is that they typically hire faster too. Which um, compared to a full-time job, you might have to go through three, four interviews. A contract job, you might have to go through one phone screen, maybe two phone screens, and you get an offer. Uh, yeah. Start immediately. So definitely, definitely worth pursuing contracts if possible. Um, you know, what do you, what do you think is in terms of like for international students that are going and they have a fall semester left, what do you think is their strategy for this semester? Let me think about this for a sec. So I'll just confirm what I heard is like, if they have a fall semester, this is like their final semester in college. This is their and final semester. Yeah. And you know how there's that, that Trump rule, what I think is being fought in the courts that if they're not taking, uh, if, they're, if, if they're only taking online classes, they have to move out, right? Or they have to go back to their country, but that's being fought now. But maybe they are taking some sort of hybrid classes, classes or not, but it's their final semester. What, what's, their, what's your advice on them to make sure that they're graduating and they have a job lined up? Um. I would just, like, like we've been talking about before, I would say like, do everything you can, like try exhaust all your options. What are, what are, what is, what are the ways that you can get sponsorship? Um, do you have to get a job? Is there another way? Can you go back to school to extend your sponsorship? Go get a master's. Can you get, I mean, I, um, a contract job, for example. Um, so it, it just depends from person to person there uh, again. So I would, I would, the short answer is just do everything you can to make use of that, that time period to go get that offer to secure that job offer before you graduate college. So if this is your last semester, like this would be the time to really like double down on the networking, go talk to international job students who have and job professionals who have jobs and find the companies that are sponsoring that are hiring because if you, there are definitely people hiring still and they're willing to sponsor visas. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, um, what do you, if, if the students listening to these or recent grads or scholars listening to this want to get a hold of you, what is the best way? Uh, the best way to do that is to find me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, just Michael, you can just, it's the show notes for sure. Um, yeah. You can also find my podcast, International Career Show. Um, I have more uh, information there. Perfect. So anywhere that you're listening to this podcast, you can listen to Michael's podcast. Highly, highly uh, recommend you listen to that. Um, definitely his, link, uh, his LinkedIn link will be on the show notes. So make sure you check that out and connect with that. Um, Michael is a great guy. He's always trying to find a way to add value and really help the students. So definitely connect, read his content, engage with his content, and reach out to him. Michael, thank you, my friend. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And guys, for everybody else listening, catch you guys on the next episode.
All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you found value in this episode, then I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. Thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next episode.